What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of Riding the Pine. Jack Ryden and I are back with you all today, and as always, we have another really awesome episode in store for everyone at home. But before I get into all of that, let's take a little dive into the last episode. I was joined by a tremendous guest from the college basketball world, current head men's basketball coach at Southern Utah, Coach Todd Simon. Coach Simon and I got into his career as a coach and what got him interested in wanting to be a coach, his time as an interim head coach at UNLV, and how that experience helped him get ready for his current position now at Southern Utah and so much more. So if you want to hear about Southern Utah's recent success and a little bit about Coach Simon's career, go check out episode 248 and all 248 episodes that are out now on all podcast platforms. Now, getting into today, we're going to be joined by another guest from the college basketball world who also brings a lot of insight from the coaching world, current assistant men's basketball coach at Drexel University, Coach Justin Jennings. Coach Jennings and I get into his career in coaching and what got him interested in wanting to be a coach, what he's applied from his days as a player over to his coaching career now, his time coaching at Army and what it was like coaching for a military academy and so much more. So if you want to hear the ins and outs to Coach Jennings' career as well as a little bit about Drexel men's basketball, don't go anywhere because here comes Coach Jennings. So with that, folks, let's make our way into our show for today. So as always, be sure to find your favorite seat here on the bench with me. Sit back, relax and enjoy the show. And I'm here with current assistant men's basketball coach at Drexel University, Coach Justin Jennings. Coach, great to get you on the show today. How's it going? It's going great, Jack. Thanks for having me. Love what you're doing and uh, excited to be on. Absolutely, my friend. Well, hey, listen, I really am excited to have you today. And I know you've got a little connection to the Pittsburgh world since we are here. At least I'm in Pittsburgh. I know you're in Philadelphia. Uh, so cross state rivals, if you will. But uh, I want to first just jump into how was the summer? How was just kind of getting guys back on campus in just the first few weeks of school been so far? Yeah, we had a great summer. Um, what was interesting for us is, you know, once every four years, you get to take a foreign trip and uh, couldn't have come at a better time for us. Um, we were able to play four games in Italy this summer. Um, we, like we mentioned, we've had seven new guys. So it's a great time for us to do that. And uh, for us, you know, number one for our guys to get great experiences, cultural experiences overseas and to see different things that they'll never get to experience, you know, the rest of their lives. Um, but from the basketball standpoint, to get to, you know, play four games with a new team, get everybody some experience, um, you know, playing at the college level was exciting. So um, that was a great trip, a great 10 day trip. And uh, we're back now. Our guys got a little bit of a break and, uh, you know, our, they just got back yesterday uh, to get rolling and, and start the season. So we're ready to roll now. Awesome. Well, uh, that's very exciting. A little bit of a, a later start for you guys. I mean, it's, you know, we're into September. You guys are starting school a little bit later. Yeah. Drexel was a little bit of a different um, uh, calendar. Uh, if you will, uh, we're on the quarter system. So we, we start a lot later than most people, um, and, and go on that quarters. We actually don't start class to the end of the month around like the September 19th or something like that. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely a, a late process, but, um, you know, our guys are here longer in the spring and all that, but, um, you know, we're able to bring them back a, a little bit earlier after Labor Day and get rolling. And, you know, you, it's, it's twofold. You avoid that preseason ankle roll that a lot of guys get in it and that the doldrums of the, the fall preseason, we kind of, we get rolling we go four weeks and then we're right into that uh the thick of practice and, and rolling so it has its advantages as well 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's one big advantage right there, right? Going into a season with, you know, typically a pretty healthy roster and not having to worry about a guy, like you said, turning an ankle during pickup or, or whatever it might be. Now, going back to the trip that you guys took to Europe over the summer and, and then getting the guys, you know, recently on the campus, how much have you noticed an increase in just their bond and their camaraderie as a whole since that trip? It was it was so unique um, to kind of watch that process. And like we, like we said, seven new guys coming into our program, and that's a lot and you have 13 scholarship players, it's over half the team. So um, to see how quickly they formed, uh, one of the unique things we saw, um, we went to uh, Rome, Florence, and Como. Um, so we stopped in Rome first, and, and the guys uh, found these, and you kind of see them all over major cities now, these scooters. You can kind of, you know, pay whatever, rent them, and they go around, and we just see our guys flying through um, Rome and different spots, but they it was at first it was just a couple guys and then by the end of it once we got to florence and you have these narrow seat uh, narrow streets in florence and going through buildings we're seeing basically our whole team fly through these scooters uh all through florence and, and, and you know they were taking pictures from the gram and all that so it was it was definitely a unique experience to see our guys kind of come together so quickly um and, and develop those bonds yeah, I think it's so awesome that a lot of and I've seen many division one programs and just programs overall D one, two or three that do something like that, whether it's going cross country or going out of the country or whatever it might be, just something to get everybody together. And I think that we can both agree, especially with, you know, how recent COVID was. I'm sure it's really nice to get a bond and get guys, you know, together and whatnot. And then speaking of, you know, the whole COVID aspect, I'm sure that had a big impact on your roster that, you know, the last few years or so. And then you're bringing back a lot of guys and you're also bringing in a lot of new guys this year too how has the you know the remnants of covid kind of affected how the recruitment has been for you you know not last summer but also this past summer mm -hmm. and it's been i think the biggest thing that's been different is is that every every ncaa player that played that season during covid uh got that year of eligibility back so now you're recruiting these guys um with different timetables and a lot of these guys have five years of eligibility if, if you're talking about transfers um so and then and then your own team the guys that were on in that on that program are on a, on a five-year track now um so you're you know you're putting your gm hat a lot more uh on a lot more than you, than you used to you used to know those guys are in four years now these guys get different schedules they could graduate and go somewhere else they could stay hey i'm staying for a fifth year and get my mba here any, any things like that so um it's definitely a different process um you know you see junior college kids getting three years of junior college now and then transferring over and then you're dealing with different stuff so um it's definitely put a new wrinkle into the recruiting process um for sure but um just the fact that we're able to get back out and see kids in person. Um, that was a tough time that year uh, from just from a recruiting standpoint, for just keeping it from a basketball perspective, um, having to evaluate kids with straight video, uh, not getting that face-to-face -face contact, not seeing how they, how they acted, you know, when they come out of the game, their interactions with people, those things are hard to pick up on film. So um, it, it's been great to get back out and, and get to see kids in person, see how they react to their teammates um, and things like that. Yeah, I'm sure that you were uh, very happy to hear that you could actually go and see some live action. You didn't have 60, 70, 80 emails every morning of, you know, a five minute clip that I think we can all agree. Uh, everybody looks really good on on film. I mean, if you could go back and look at my high school film, I probably yeah. looked really good and I wound up at a D3 school. So that kind of tells you anybody can look halfway decent uh, on film. So but I think that is a great thing. I mean, and it, I always felt that, especially during that period of time, how important it was for coaches just 
being able to be, and, and you really saw how important it was to see guys in person. You don't know how they act. Like you said, coming off of the court when they get subbed out or if something doesn't go their, their way, how a coach maybe, you know, lets them have it about something, how they respond. You don't get to see that. Um, but uh, you know, again, now, now you get to do see that, uh, especially with things kind of slowing down with COVID, but coach, I want to get into your career. And I know that you were a player initially, but then you got into coaching. I want to hear what got you into wanting to be a coach. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I, I had a, I'd say good career. Uh, I was a good player, not a great player, but I, I went to Penn State Baron, a Division Three school in Erie, Pennsylvania, um, and played for one of the the best coaches in the country that nobody knows of, Dave Nyland. Um, you know, he, he's a, a cousin of John Beeline. Played for John Beeline when he was at Lemoyne. Uh, worked for him at Canisius, and then he, he's built a, a basically a Division Three powerhouse at Penn State Baron. Um, a lot of kids in, in the WPIL. Uh, go there and, and have great careers and, and they're winning 20 games every year going to tournaments and all that and um, it was truly a blessing to play for a guy like that in college and um, to see how he you know develop players and work with guys and that kind of gave me the bug but I'd say probably the first um, initial bug I got for coaching was back in like peewee football um, my dad coached us uh, when we were 10 11 years old and he took over a, a peewee program um that had one that had but won one game in three years basically and uh he took over the program and lost three games in five years and just his his styles um how he, how he re, uh, related to players and connected with players, um, you know, how he was creative in his play calling. Uh, he brought back the single wing, which a lot of people don't know about uh, in football, unbalanced line and different stuff like that. So he was doing all these different things, but made it simple for kids at 10, 11 year, years old to uh, to learn and to run. And, and we had fun onside kick every single time. Uh, different things like that. And um, it, it, the way he dealt with those guys, and it's funny, you know, I still see some some of those guys I played with back then now. And uh, they always remember how my dad, um, you know, was able to to impact them in, in a way. So um, that kind of gave me my first bug in, in coaching. And I knew, you know, at some point, like I said, I think I was a good player, but not a great player. And I knew my career was going to end at some point, but I wanted to stay in the game and, and coaching was the way to go. So when you get out of playing, you get into coaching. I mean, what was it from your early, you know, coaching days that, or really what was it from your playing days that you would try to apply into your coaching days early on? I mean, what was it that, you know, maybe you heard it from another coach as a player that you wanted to put into your style of coaching? Yeah. Um, you know, I think, I think as, as a player, you know, being a point guard, um, you see the game differently. Um, just like a quarterback, you have to know everybody's job. You have to know what everybody's doing at all times. Uh, and, um, you know, I think that was huge, but I, I think the way I've developed my, you know, the way I wanted to be a coach and, and I've kind of studied this a little bit. Um, but I think it's, it's four things, uh, competence, care, charisma, and connection. And I think those are huge. I think the competence piece is huge. Um, you have to be a continual learner. You have to always be on top of the trends in the game and, and, and know what's going on and how to be different um, and, and, and how to get guys better. And ultimately, that's what, what players want. If you can help them get better, um, you know, they're going to they're going to run through a wall for you. And I think that's huge. Number two is care. They got to know you care for them. Um, you got to be able to, to spend time with them and, and show them that you're there for them. Um, and, and three, like I mentioned before, is charisma. You got to have some juice 
to what you're doing. You got to have some pop every day you walk into that gym and those guys got to be, um, you know, excited to see you and, and feel your excitement for the game. And the last piece is connection. Uh, how do you connect with your players? How do you connect with administration? Um, how do you connect with other people on your staff? I think that's huge. So um, I've tried to, to hit with those four C's, you know, daily really um, in this coaching profession. And, and I feel like it's paid off so far. I think that, you know, every single point that you make is, is so valuable because I think a lot of the times coaches, that's, that's their biggest downfall is that they don't connect with their players. They don't connect with other people. And, and as a result, you know, and I can, you know, you and I both being players, you know, in our, in our previous lives, we can probably both agree. There were a few coaches we probably had that they didn't really like to connect with us. And as a result, they got the kind of reaction that they got out of us. Right. I mean, they, you know, maybe it was a little bit more standoffish, whatever it might've been, but at the end of the day, being able to have that kind of open door of, Hey, we can have a relationship this doesn't have to be so rigid. We can be, you know, cordial and whatnot. And when we have to put our business in, we have to put our business in, but then we can also realize like, Hey, if you got something, some issue, whatever it is, you can come talk to me. And I think that really opens up the door for communication with a lot of guys. But early on in your, in your days, you were an assistant coach, especially at the collegiate level. I know you actually, like I mentioned, the local ties, Carnegie Mellon, right, right down the road from where I am right now. Yep. Um, yep. And then you also eventually got into becoming a head coach at the high school level. So for you, when you went from being an assistant at the college level to a head coach at the high school level, what was that adjustment like? Not just going from one level to the next, but a, a change in your response responsibility load going from an assistant to a head coach yeah it was definitely different I, I maybe one uh you know adjustment I would make this I mean it wasn't true high school um it, it was a, a prep school um per se um each of the academies army navy uh, air force have their own uh prep school almost like feeder programs into uh the main academy um and so that's kind of where I went and and got my my feet wet as a head coach at the United States Military Academy prep school and um, definitely an adjustment. I think as an assistant coach, uh, you have all the answers. You know, you, you know what you're going to do every time you question to yourself sometimes why the head coach choose to do that and all that. Uh, then when you get your opportunity, you're like, well, like the, the decision's final with me. And um, you know, the fact that I got that opportunity at the prep school to kind of work and, and make my own mistakes um, has really helped me in my career moving back into being assistant at the division one level. Um, always knowing how it is to be a head coach and make those decisions, uh, be final all the time. Um, understanding that, you know, everything goes through you. You got to communicate, you know, to your, your administration. Um, you got to communicate to your players. You got to communicate, you know, for different things, especially in the military academy, um, with professors and different stuff like that. So, um, it definitely gave me a great experience to, to, you know, take with me as I, I, I've traveled through this career. So I'm glad you bring up the aspect of you spending your time coaching at the United States Army Military Academy, because I'm sure that probably was also a unique experience for you dealing with professors, you're dealing with basketball, and then you're also dealing with the military. So I mean, what was that like for you just as a, as a coach? I mean, what, were you having to maybe deal with things off the court that most other schools aren't having to deal with because they're not military academies? Yeah, I think I think probably the most part is is how rigid and structured their days are. Um, you know, most most schools I've been at Division One level. You know, there's pockets in the day where I can you know grab uh, one of our student athletes and, and get a quick 20 minute shooting workout or something like that. Um, when you're at the academy, your day is very structured. Um, you know, you're you're up early. Uh, you're going to breakfast. You're going to class, and then you have a, a small, really three to six window of athletics, and then after that, you're going right back into 
you know, your, your, your military day. And, um, you know, it was definitely interesting. You, you have to be very creative. Um, basketball is going to be the best part of their day and you better make sure practice is fun. They can't, they're, they're listening and, and being demanded to do things all day. Um, if they come in and you're being another drill sergeant, if you will, <laughs> in practice, it's not going to work. So uh, you better have a fun style. You better have a lot of energy in practice uh, to get the most of those guys. But uh, my experience at the academy was uh, those five years there, to, uh, three as a head coach of the prep school and another two as an assistant, I, I wouldn't replace for anything. It, it, uh, West Point's the number one institution in the world for leadership. And there's it's an incubator for leadership. And there's so many people to learn from on campus. And the players you get to coach and people you get to deal with um, are just so special. And um, I've made so many great relationships, particularly with the players I coached there, still connected with them now. And uh, it's just a special, special place. What would you say was the biggest thing you learned during your time at, at Army? Mm-hmm. Uh, failing is good. Uh, failing is good. And you see that a lot with the players. They want you to fail, fail fast and learn fast, I think was a, a, a big model they used. And, um, you know, ownership in, in, in your failing, you know, I think that's huge. Um, owning up to the mistake you may have made or, and, and how do you get better quickly? Um, I think those were huge watching um, and doing things with honor at all times. Yeah, I think the the aspect of dealing with failure in in a positive way, which kind of sounds you know counterintuitive, but you have to do it. It's hard. It's hard because in sports, that's what most of it is. I mean, when I have guys that come on from the baseball world, that's seventy percent of their business is failing. And yeah. when you have to deal with that, I mean, at times that can wear on you mentally. Um, but but being able to figure out a way to you know, like you said, own up to that and then build on that and learn from that, that's where you can really turn the negative into a positive. But you eventually make your way to where you're at today at Drexel. I want to hear, mm-hmm. how did you hear about the job? How did you come across? I mean, how did the whole you coming to Drexel come about? So at West Point, uh, or last year at West Point, we had one of the best teams uh, that had ever been there. Um, we were graduating uh, four 1,000-point scores, all-time leader in assists, um, one of the all-time field goal percentage uh, and shot blockers in Patriot League history. Uh, we're all graduating. So um, you know, we were finished out the career. We were playing in the CIT and um, our head coach, Zach Spiker, um, because of the success we had at Army that hadn't really been done, uh, five straight winning seasons and all that hadn't, hadn't really been done um, before at the academy. And, um, you know, because of that, he, he had opportunities to look elsewhere. And uh, Drexel came calling. And when he got that opportunity to and accepted the job here at Drexel, um, I was able to come over with him and uh, start this career here. So um, it's been an exciting process. We love it here. We're going on to uh, year seven and, um, we're excited for this year. Well, I know that you took that success you had at army right over to Drexel because 2021 was a big year, big year for Drexel going to the NCAA tournament. Talk me through that entire season, just what it was like for you as a coach, but then also what did that mean to, you know, the players, the school, and then the program as a whole, since it had been so long since they had been in the NCAA tournament last yeah, I mean, it, 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 the, the end result um, was exciting. It was the first time we went to the NCAA tournament in 25 years. But I think what may get lost is the process that our guys had to go through, not just on the court, uh, but off the court. I mean, that was during, during the COVID um, process and, and limited fans and all that. And our guys were testing for COVID every single day. 
um, which a lot of programs weren't, um, but because we were in a city and the numbers and everything, we were testing every, every single day. And, um, you know, our motto was let's be the most disciplined team throughout the year. Let's make sure we're making the right decisions. And our team did not have one positive COVID test throughout the whole year, uh, whole season, uh, which is huge. And so we're testing every day. Um, you know, guys were exposed. Our guys were very disciplined in the process. Now we had some games canceled because of other teams. I think we went two and a half weeks or, uh, without playing a game because we had weekend games canceled and all that. But, um, it, it was, it was great. Even, even in those instances, when we didn't have games, our guys came together. We had some great moments in practice. We had to keep things fun. Um, we had some memorable moments, uh, some one-on-one battles that, that ended with a walk on being a scholarship player and, um, the, the place going nuts. Um, but so much was, was our process of our players, the, the amount of energy they put in, um, when that final buzzer sounded and, and we, we were cutting down the nets. It was pretty, pretty special to realize what we had done and that we were going to the tournament. And it wasn't just for our team. It was for the whole community. It was for, you know, the Drexel programs that got snubbed that should have been going and get gotten at large bids um, in years past. And, um, you know, we were excited to do that. And, and now we're on a mission to, to get back there. Yeah. And a lot of momentum that you can carry into this year for sure. But I love the point you make about what your team had to go through that, you know, year before in 2020. And then, like you said, going through all of 2021 as well. But hats off to you guys for not having any COVID issues, because I've talked to a lot of players and coaches and they've said that they've had some horror stories not playing for, you know, 20 some days. I had a, one of the assistants at South Carolina Upstate. He, he came on and he was mentioning how that they I don't think that they had a, a game for 25, 30 days and i just am like i don't know what you would do and and like you said you know trying to make practice fun right i mean what was that like trying to make practice fun and and keep the guys enthused and engaged and focused yeah yeah yeah. it was funny uh we did a couple things we had a dodgeball uh tournament which was great um but we we just really wanted to focus on on getting our guys better and, and keep it fun and we really dive dove into our guys and um you know try to develop them so we knew when we had the opportunity uh we'd be ready to go and that led right into um the the postseason i think we shot 57 percent from three or something like that uh at one point set a record in, in the conference tournament for three point percentage but um just keeping practice fun was great we we had a, a drill we called hunger games um it's basically you, you split the team into two um you know the team plays whatever team loses like team that wins is out whatever team loses you split that team up so now you're playing three on three or whatever that team loses whatever you get out two on two you basically get down to one-on-one and uh, it, it was an, a memorable moment when one of our walk-ons made an unbelievable shot and our, our gym went nuts. And it, it's something that, that our guys will remember forever. Maybe not the guy that got beat. Uh, he's trying to push that out, but um, it, it was just a moment that brought us closer um, and, and, and moving forward. Well, uh, good job by you and the staff for, for keeping things light. Cause I could only imagine what that, I'm sure you're probably pulling your hair and like, I'm running out of ideas here. We need to get some games going. So hats off to you guys for being able to do that, but heading into this season, obviously, like I said, you want to probably build off the recent success you guys have had. What's kind of the, the outlook for this year and how do you expect your team to build off of the recent run that you guys made? Yeah, we lost, uh, you know, 3,000 point scorers. One of the guys was a 1,000, 1,000 guy, 1,000 points, 1,000 rebounds. Another guy was, um, you know, first team all league uh, player. So, uh, and like I said before, we brought in seven new guys. So um, it's definitely going to be different. Having said that, we still have three starters back, um, you know, defensive player of the year, Amari Williams, our big guy from, from England. 
um, is back and, and he's going to be a force to reckon with. Um, and then, you know, another starter back is Coltrane Washington, a Pittsburgh guy, a Quaker Valley product. And uh, he's one of the best shooters in the league, no doubt. And um, he's going to be back to give us some leadership. And, you know, we're excited about his process. Um, and, and Mate Okus is another starter that's coming back, another great shooter on the wing. So we will have some younger guards in the backcourt, um, guys that step in and fill some big shoes. But we're really excited about it. We have a really close team. Uh, the trip to Italy was great, you know, bringing us closer. And uh, we're really excited about, you know, how our guys are, are, are coming together right now and moving forward. Well, I think uh, I think you've gotten myself and everybody else that's tuning in right now excited for some college hoops because I am I'm very eager. I th- what is first day? October fifteenth? Is it still that that day? Yeah. So now they, they kind of uh, changed the rules a little bit. You can kind of start forty two days before your first game. So forty two days, but you're only allowed to practice thirty of those. So uh, it's always around a lot. You know, October first, something like that. It's kind of when we'll get started. Yeah, I remember we would always have October 15th up in the locker yep. and, and uh, we'd always had that date circle and then we'd have midnight madness and then we'd have practice at midnight and we were all like, why, why are we, it's midnight, we need to go to bed, we need, we need some sleep, we're student athletes. Um, but that, that's, that's very exciting. I think it's also great that you, you have a nice blend of new guys and then returners and you can kind of play with that a little bit and you know, clearly be able to not only worry about this year but also the future of the program. But coach, you've been awesome to have on the show today. Really appreciate your time. Before I let you go, gotta leave you with this one last question. I always leave my guests with this one and it it involves an epiphany, a realization, however you want to put it as to when you realized and had that aha moment that you could really be a basketball coach and really be a division one basketball coach and make this a career. So for you, when did that click? And you said, I can definitely do this. Yeah. I mean, I think I knew early on that it was something I I could do and and be pretty good at. Um, You know, I love the game. I live it. You know, it's uh, it's all all you really think about a lot of times. And, uh, you know, I think it's it, it's just something it's something I always wanted to do. I never wanted to not be part of the game. So, um, <clears throat> you know, I think, you know, a lot of people talk about levels and stuff like that. But, you know, I think there's some there's some really good coaches at the division three level, um, you know, getting to the, the division one level really is about luck. You know what I mean? And what's luck when hard work you know, meets preparation. Right. Um, and, and that's kind of what I had. Uh, just a lot of luck to, to get to this level. I, I worked hard, um, was put in the right shoes and, and was able to get my break. And uh, with Coach Spiker gave me the opportunity to be a part of his staff. And I kind of been with him ever since. So, um, you know, I, I love the game. I love being around kids. Uh, I love, you know, coaching. And, and, and with one of the best things as a coach is, is when you work so hard with an individual uh, on something in particular and um, they have that moment where it clicks and they get it. And they kind of look back at you like they may not say it, but you can tell by that look, you know, hey, coach, you helped me do this. Um, there's nothing better than that as a coach. And that's what I strive for every day. Just change, trying to change guys lives uh, as much as possible. Well, I think you've changed a lot of players' lives and you've also changed a lot of programs for the better. Uh, so a uh, really, really nice job by you. But really appreciate you stopping by today, coach. Thanks so much. And uh, good luck the rest of the way. Good luck this season. Would love to get you back on the show down the road, too. Jack, thanks so much. Anytime you need me, uh, I'm open to come back on, especially a guy that's residing in the Pittsburgh area. Uh, I'm a Yenzer for life, so uh, I'm always available. 
And there he goes, Coach Justin Jennings. Another fantastic episode today, everyone. Thanks for joining me here on the bench. Be sure to keep following and subscribing to Ride in the Pine on Apple and Spotify, and keep following on Twitter at Ride the Pine 20, RTP all capital, Instagram at Riding underscore the underscore pine underscore, and on TikTok at Ride in the Pine, all lowercase. For all of the latest updates on episodes and content to come, all 249 episodes are out now. Keep leaving those ratings and reviews. And again, folks, more importantly, keep your eyes and ears open for some new content coming out on RTP. We're going to start firing out some other stuff. We're going to try and start doing a little sideshow for football with football season revving up. So we've got a lot of really, really good things coming on down the road for the show. So keep your eyes and ears open for all of that. But once again, everyone, thanks so much for tuning in today. And until next time on Ride in the Pine, keep on sitting the bench with me.